0: Welcome to episode 102 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. We've got a bright, sunny day here in Ohio. Yeah, I see that.
1: I, uh, we were just talking about that. I'm the guy that like disappears into the, into the office and shuts the blinds. And you're the guy that's got the uh, nice sun rays shining all over your
0: face. I put my desk as close to the window as I could. <laughs> I can reach the window with my You hand. have
1: you have past <laughs> trauma with working
0: in cubicles. That I worked, must be what it is. I worked in non windowed offices for way too much of my life. Uh, it, actually that that was that was that was the hardest thing when we when we moved into this shop into the original half of the, the shop, there was our our office was in a was in a you know a completely closed in office. There was no windows and coming from the, the the shop that I built at my house that we were in before this, I again, I put a window in, and I put my, de- my desk and my computer next to that window because I wanted to be able to look out a window and enjoy the sun rays coming in. So I will do everything in my power to be next to a window. If I have to work, if I have to be inside, I at least want to be able to look outside.
1: Yeah. No, I I worked many years in a cubicle that had no window. Honestly, I don't, you know, I guess I should say this. I did have an office back in the day where my desk was right in front of this massive window. And honestly, I found it distracting, but I didn't have any blinds or anything to put over it. So I was just always staring out at cars driving by and stuff. So yeah, I prefer locking it down, having it nice and dark, especially if I'm working on video editing or something like that. I don't know why it's just, I feel like I disappear into my little cave, turn the lights down and then make the magic happen.
2: There you go. That's how you make magic happen, folks. Put a little, little berry white on. Who's that? Let's get it on. <laughs> no. Who's who's that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man,
1: so
0: what's new in your world? Um a lot, man. We got <clears throat> so I kind of realized this morning, I don't necessarily say what the products are, but I can use their names.
2: So, the Scout product is in production, on the way. I th-
0: man, I w- I would love to be able to release it in like three weeks, but I got
2: a feeling that it may be closer to four. Um. So, I'm just waiting on final production pieces to get in.
0: I'm I'm, I'm trying to get them to everybody to send me the first off of everything so I can start getting some content made, which again, it's, it's just as exciting for me to release a new product as it is to have something new to make content with. (laughs) Like when you make content almost daily, if not definitely weekly for your products to have one product or two products, like each product that you add just gives, gives more freedom to, to create more content and stuff with. So we're super excited to, you know, like we, we've we been kind of spitballing ideas for, um, you know, for the content that we want to make when we come out with these, with these products and make sure that we communicate clearly what, what the products are and what the benefits are and, and that sort of thing. So, um I'm really kind of focused in on on new products a lot. On um, I've got one product that again like the scout we're ready to start making content for <clears throat> and we got another product that that we're working on daily and I, I, I was kind of telling you before the podcast here. It's it's been which I'm going to call myself a liar here. I wanted to say like the last the last 1% of a product is the hardest part but as i say that it's taken two years for us to get to where we are now so it's not like that was easy either but man like we're just trying to dial in the the tolerances and making sure everything really works how we want it to and um
2: and yeah man it's just it is painful this product has been a true labor to the uh so
0: the other one the product is called a nexus so the nexus has been is the one that's been 2 years in the making and um and we're working on daily like me and Cory and are just working on it a lot and we have pulled in somebody else that's, that's doing some water jet stuff for us and is is making the, like we've we're we're well past the 3D printed stage we're we're trying to get actual um actual metal material parts that we think we're going to want and, which changes everything cuz 3d printed parts don't act anything like you know stainless steel parts when you start when you start rubbing them together so yeah yeah it it can definitely be a painful process and that
1: you know I'd unplugged from content creation largely over the last 2 months and focused heavily on product development on our end as well, which I did, you know, every time I do that, and this is why it's so important. I think for us to keep adding to our team, every time I do that, I end up not responding to DMS the way I should. I'm not responding to comments the way I should. I'm not putting the quality content out that I should. And we see dips. So, you know, this last week we decided we're bringing on two more people into the marketing department. So that, they should start within the next two weeks. Um, and then my hope is that we can quickly get geared up and get a good system together so that I can keep focusing on some of these new products that we need to release because I think that's a a big deal for us this year. but yeah. most of most of our products have been fairly straightforward, stuff that you know we're building off of other things that we've done in the past. Uh, we're doing something a little different with this next target system where it's more of a pistol fundamental target. It's very heavily focused for pistol. Not that it it, it can't be shot with a carbine or, or rifles, but it's really not meant for 308. It's really not meant for big calibers. This is a target that is supposed to really help people hone <clears throat> in on pistol fundamentals. And it'll be cool to see how it's received. The price point's going to be right for people, I think. And I have the finished version of that up in the office that after this podcast, and after my meeting at ten, I have a date with this new product in the range, and I'm gonna be shooting some photos of it um, just getting a lot of different stuff wrapped up. You know we have the uh new twenty twenty one catalog, which is really funny. it's March, and I'm only wrapping it up now, but we have that new catalog, which will be a digital kind of download that people could could download and we'll have some printed copies that go to d- different departments. That's one of the things that we've noticed with our departments is it's like they like, they like to have physical copies of, of print in front of them oftentimes for they make a decision, which, you know, I'm kind of a perfectionist with our media. So the catalog looks awesome. And uh, we just wrapped up last week, the final, revision for now of the bullet trap, which we're calling the mod one. And that thing's a beast. And most people have not seen much about it because I plan to, uh, release it in a very special way. Um, I'm like, I'm, t- I've talked about, it. I've showed teasers, I've showed stories. And stuff, so people know it's there. Largely the marketing aspect to sell that product is direct to departments, military units and um government agencies. So it's it's not really super fitting for Instagram per se, but it is also awesome, so it's going to end up on Instagram. And I'm excited about that. Cuz rocking 308s in the shop is fun. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine how loud that is. <clears throat> it actually isn't. We uh we're shooting suppressed. Let's we'll see. Yeah, i just so, got a can on it. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, got to be. I mean,
0: it's still got to be loud. You know, you know, three oh eight round hitting. It's,
1: it's not bad. It, so the uh, well, it's silent hitting the trap. You can't hear anything because the bullet's passing through two inches of that ballistic rubber, which is that ballistic rubber panel is like it's either ninety five or one hundred and five pounds. Just that panel. Um, it's it's dense. It is a piece of rubber that is massive. The other thing is where we were shooting it, we have these vertical racks that have horizontal shelves the whole way up to the ceiling, mm-hmm. probably 25 feet tall. So it just baffled everything. And it I thought it was going to be super loud, but it wasn't. It wasn't bad at all. Um, the only thing that sucks during any testing like that is we don't have the right ventilation. So
2: yeah. most, most testing is done outside. But just means we eventually have to build an indoor range for ourselves. There you go. Yeah, I can't wait to get one. Yeah, you you should get one. I'm going to get one. You're going to send me one. I know a guy. Got to be ready to unload
1: that skid. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No problem with that. It's a beast, man. It's one of those things where Ethan and I looked at the end product. And, you know, function was obviously the first priorities. Let's make this thing be as functional as possible. But at the same time, we're, we're constantly figuring out How do we make it look good, look like something that people are willing to spend or not even willing to spend, but are happy once they get the skid and they look at it, you know, it matters. If it was just this unpainted thing and you spent $2,000 on it, you're going to be like, what did I just buy? Why did I buy this? But function was first. We did a bunch of refinements. We integrated a funnel into the bottom, which is pretty slick. Um, It used to be an add-on. You just add the funnel on and then it would, you know, you could empty the trap out, but made it all one piece. And then at the end, Ethan and I are both like, man, sometimes we look at the products we come up with and we're like, how the heck did we come up with that? (laughs) How did we go from like the, I have the first drawings, first revisions of what we thought was going to be our product. And now where we're at and it's like, wow, that is vastly different than what, we had started with.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I pulled out my my first some of my first 3D print uh ideas from one of the iterations of uh, one of the first iterations of the of the Nexus and was showing Cory and Nate and they're just like wow it is there's
2: nothing like that anymore. It is just it's crazy how much you you keep ch- you keep chasing changes and
0: updates and wanting to make things better and you know, more universal, more user-friendly, more, you know, like you you keep chasing all these things and until you end up with, you know, with a product that that you're proud of and,
2: and that you're happy with and you're excited to uh, ship to people. It's just, it's so fun. I, I truly love this and just being able to, Create things and
0: <clears throat> make things and and then see other people excited about them and, and, and happy with them. so yeah, the most daunting
1: aspect for me is always getting the marketing geared up and yeah the product's difficult too sometimes to develop, but there's been times in the past where we've done really, really solid marketing for a product release and the returns on it was amazing. We reached the people we needed to reach. We did so much and had such a good impact and and a good result from the initiative. And then there's times where we've dropped products and not really done great. And they didn't do what I thought they should do initially. So I tend to put a lot of weight on my shoulders. Kind of like as we get to this phase of this next target system where I'm like, man, I really have to ramp this thing up properly to tell the right story because it's similar to our other systems. So if I just put it up on the website and people see it, they're not going to be immediately saying, okay, this is what this thing's for. But when I get it in the hands of some of our friends who are phenomenal pistol shooters and they start running drills and telling the story, and then we have content supplementing that, telling the story of the, the product
2: and the why behind it, then people will start to see the picture of what we're trying to do here. But that is,
1: man, I just, what I'm most excited about is ramping up this marketing team and sales at the same time. Cause we're, we're doing the same thing as we integrate more people into the sales department, but it's just so vital. They go so, so hand in hand. Um, and it has been very freeing for me to see the results of me putting time into product development and, I haven't done that. I mean all last year it was just hang on to the wild bull and you know who knows where we were going to go but it was just keeping up. And now this year there was an intentional pause the last couple months. I would say since the end of January that I've been really focusing on product development and working partnerships and that stuff to me it it's worth pulling away from the marketing temporarily to build some of these foundations because I know I can ramp the marketing back up. And some of these foundations took a lot of time to put in place, but I mean, that's just something, something we've done over the last couple of months is finding those needs in the industry that aren't even our product, but something we can help out with. And that's been fun too, for me, because there's a lot of companies in the industry that, and and we've talked about this where they outsource, certain aspects of production and things that they can't have in-house or don't have in-house. And there's a lot of people that are having really horrible experiences with some of the outsourced suppliers that they're using. Cause I, I mean, let's face it. Most of the time we, if you outsource some, something, you tend to find the close local, you know, whatever fab shop or machine shop or, or whatever you're trying to do. And it's not always necessarily the best. So as we've expanded capabilities in the shop, that's opened up a lot of doors for helping other firearm companies. And uh, that's been a fun experience so far.
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: it's nice to have another little revenue stream, you know, something else that, that you don't have to really necessarily work for to get the sales. You just
1: make it. That's, That's the biggest thing is that the couple products that we're doing for people is we have downtime on our machines now and anyway i mean our we have a pretty efficient setup when we're doing production runs so there's always machine time available and it doesn't take up any of our marketing effort right so it, it's kind of like a no brainer we stock the material already we already have it here we already have the processes in place so why not you know help help a friend out and also make income from a different avenue. Um, it's interesting. It's something I would have never thought that we would be trying to help out in the gun industry, but it's uh and we're super picky about it too. Like I don't want to take yeah. on stuff that if it's super tedious and it ties up tons of labor and the margins aren't good, like if it, if it doesn't compare to our product, I wouldn't touch it um, unless it's a fairly automated thing and we don't have to market it. And then in that case, you know, we've had a couple really good experiences,
2: um, some of them justifying us reinvesting in our own processes. So, you know, it, it's like it's one of the pieces of equipment we're looking looking to get right now is pretty exciting.
1: It's a D slagger which people are going to be like, oh, it's super boring. But a lot of our parts that come off of the table, they currently go through a little time saver sander. And we have to put the part through and then flip it and put the part through again. But before we put the parts through off the table, we have to chisel off the slag on the bottom that's stuck on Mm -hmm. from the torch melting through everything. But with this de-slagger, you don't have to do that at all. And it does both sides of the piece all in one step. So now it's literally nobody's touching anything on the table. It's just shoving pieces right through the de-slagger and automating that process. So that's probably the next machine purchase, which I had other machines that we wanted to get this year, but they're getting kind of put off because we're investing in the process, Um, which I think is important. Ethan and I were talking about that yesterday. There's a lot. So so I guess I'll put it this way. I'm more of a, I try to find the problems that we're going to have before we have the problem. And if possible, it's a great way to approach things. So we've been just discussing through this year as we see growth, what are the bottlenecks going to be in process, shipping, all of it. Um, And this de-slagger is part of the solution because our shipping area is not getting any bigger and we don't really want to have obscene amounts of inventory on hand anyway. We kind of want to find that middle ground and, and that's where we're at now is where you find that balance of You have just enough on hand that you can ship really fast, but you don't have too much on hand that you're always tying up cash with crazy amounts of inventory. So having the new press break, the big table, which they're actually, they're running it now. So that's all set up and having a, you know, investing in a de-slagger allows us to now, if we wanted to do a full production run and have a couple hundred app systems, now we're talking about a day, whereas it used to take right. us a couple of days to get that done. Um.
0: So, yeah, stuff like that is yeah, where... Stuff like that's easy. Like, that's an easy
2: decision, like, you know? Like, yeah, this is... It's super easy to figure out your ROI on that and just... Yeah. No, that's... That stuff's awesome. Like I, I, I love finding things like that. That's that's just a, you
0: know, it's, it's a simple thing that that can take. And I'm sure it's not necessarily a cheap piece of equipment, but no, it's it's right there with like milling
1: machines. You know, it's yeah, probably it. You know, when yeah, I would say it's very similar to like a VF two or something like that. Right. It, so it's not cheap, but when you look at the amount of time. Sometimes we have two people on that table chiseling off the slag and then we're picking up pieces four or five times. And it's, it's not like you could look at it that way as the efficiency, which is very important um, as far as like labor, but it's not even the cost per se that we're concerned about. It's being able to match inventory quickly when there's demand. And that's, You know, because we we don't have the ability right now with how our shops laid out to expand our shipping area, we have to work within those parameters, which I think is going to be one of our biggest bottlenecks as we you know, especially as we do more bullet traps and every time we get man, we got four Phoenix plate racks down here. They take up so much room. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah. You
1: start getting orders with, you know, we had a couple skids leave for departments, one for a military unit, uh the end of last week. And when you start getting big skids, plus we had the bullet traps leaving. We had ravens headed, we had a batch of 10 ravens headed to Guam, which was kind of funny. Yeah. So the we just had skids and it's like it takes up the entire floor space.
2: Um so I don't know how to you know we're trying to figure out how to deal with that. You know, we've
1: Gotta start going up. We don't. We only have like fifteen foot ceilings in there. That's the. It's going to be a problem. I can tell you that. Shipping for us is going to be a major problem, and I'm trying to find a company that does something similar enough to us. That like not even in the industry, but size wise and kind of the. Um. The method of the sales funnel and shipping if I could find a company that's established and ahead of us that has a heavier product, that's bigger, it would be, I would just love to see how that process looks because it's, it just brings its own challenges because everything that we do
2: is big. And to me, the first, first thing I think of is, is a car, you know, is it, it was like auto
0: manufacturer. Yep. And that's and, what we
1: were talking about too.
0: And in that case, or um there's a there's there's a book that I'm that I'm, I'm listening to and the and the guy works for a, for one of one of the really big um you know
2: commercial lawn mower maker companies and um I mean basically they build stuff at the
0: at the same rate that stuff ships, so there's n- there's never really anything sitting on a dock. It's um, at least not for longer than than that day. You know, stuff gets made and and, and ships out that day. And you know, so in their case, it, you know, that's kind of what Henry Ford's known for is he figured out how to you know how to assembly line and quickly build things so that it it just, it's gone as soon as it's done and becoming efficient at that, I think is the, is, is going to be the hard part. You know, I'm not sure how long it takes you guys, you know, to make a plate rack or, or an ADAP from beginning to end, but you know, like, is, is it something that you could have figured out so that, Hey, we got this order and it's, we have in the next, I don't know, Hour, two hours, eight hours, twelve hours—I don't know how long it takes—but like, this order comes in, and by this time tomorrow, it's it's going to be built and and shipped. Yeah, I mean, some of it's going to be maturing through the
1: programs we use. You know, having better systems in place. Right now, the way we solve that is we just keep—we have a flat inventory amount that we try to stick to and that inventory amount is a, is small enough that we can it doesn't kill our cash flow but it's big enough that we can run production runs and catch up before we're out but you know it's not like we're running one eight app target if we do a run of minis it's sometimes 200 mini eight apps and we can do that in you know have them in shipping in 2 days 3 days yeah. So it's it's very, like, we have a lot to learn big time. I, like, I look at the processes. I'm
2: like, yeah, we got stuff we got to learn, but we can pump a lot of stuff out really quickly. Um, we're just not... I,
1: but yeah, I I do see at some point as the demand and the volume goes up that inventory will stay very similar to the same, but we're just going to be picking production up behind that at a higher rate, which is just a switch. It's just us saying, okay, now we're running the machine this day and this day and this day instead of saying, okay, this entire week we're going to stockpile inventory, but then we don't need to run eight apps for the next three weeks because that's sort of how we're doing it now is just building inventory, kind of selling the inventory to a certain threshold once we hit that threshold, doing another run. Um, Pros and cons to both. It, this is the uh it's fun figuring it out but at the same time sometimes I'm like man I just <laughs> don't have the extra energy to to think about it but that's why I I would love to find and it just to spark ideas to get a tour of a facility that does a larger
2: manufacturing operation I think would be a lot of fun just to yeah. see No for sure it's The last six months or so, we've been talking a lot about about um, like we're talking about and studying up a lot about capacity and um, and efficiency because there's a there's a
0: fine balance between it you know it's it's nice to be able to have a bunch of finished products in stock on the shelf so that you're just grabbing stuff and shipping it at the same time it costs money to put that stuff on the shelf if you don't if you aren't selling um at the rate or faster than the rate that you're making things then you're losing money making things and paying people to build things and putting those things on the shelf is costing you money so um there's a there's a fine line between having enough stuff on stock so that we're not you know so you know, so that we can ship ship things quickly you know because we don't want to take two weeks to ship everything we want to be able to ship everything today
2: um, and our dealer orders we we really try to ship out like within the week. Um, yeah, you know, so our dealer orders we we want to be able to
0: pull off the shelf and ship quickly and get that out but at the same time we don't it, because for a long time we've we we basically built to order for dealers but we want to be able to ship ship quicker to dealers. So yeah, we're we're trying to find that that a sweet spot of having enough stuff on the shelf that when a dealer places places a big order, we can just grab stuff off the shelf and ship it but we also don't want to completely deplete what's on the shelf when we do that um
2: yeah it, it's it's all a it's all a science and we're not scientists here no and i would never
1: profess to be an expert the uh the one thing that i'll say that is super important to us is and it's part of our core values is that fast shipping and so for now the balance is working in our favor to do the method that we have right this moment. Uh, and like I said, I just suspect that as, uh, cause as sales keep growing and demand keeps growing, we're not going to be able to store more than what we already have. You know, we've, we've figured out what is the threshold of inventory that is realistic to have on hand on these shelves at any given point going any more than that would kind of be crazy. Um, So yeah, it's right now. It's just a matter of us. The discussion is figuring out those efficiencies in the production, and what does it look like to ramp that up? What does it look like to um, just keep those uh, processes a little bit more well oiled as we get that
0: demand up? But yeah, Yeah, because for you guys, it's going
2: to be okay. We can only store, you know, a hundred of this of this product on the shelf. That's it but our sales of are five times what it, what it was. So now you have to be
0: able to build things five times faster and be able and store the same hundred pieces. So you're just, you know, stuff's going on the shelf and and off the shelf five times faster, but the same amount of stuff is on the shelf.
2: Yep. It's a balance. It's something that,
1: I find it fun. I find it fun figuring out these issues and then coming up with solutions. But at the same time, like I said, sometimes it's it's like, man, I just like it's simple.
2: Wish it was simple, but it is never simple. But the other problem is as we're going forward, we're
1: adding more products to the lineup and that's kind of what triggered this whole conversation. You know, this new target system we have, it's like, where are we going to put this system because we like i said when we start with a product that's brand new at this point i kind of know what a product is going to do if it has similar traits and i i kind of know the role that it's going to fill we know our customer base so it would be not it wouldn't be uncommon for me to just on a whim have two dozen of something just ready even before the release happens And then have production programs and everything on the schedule directly after that, so that if we roll through those initial batch, whatever that number is, we can just produce and then nobody even feels it. It's still shipping within a day or two. Um, But again, that storage is an issue. We have other products coming that are a little bit bigger. um, And I feel I think they're just going to be built to order. Well, actually, like another way we've handled this in the past is for products that are more complex, like the Phoenix or now with the Bullet Trap, we pre-burn pieces um, and keep X amount of pieces on hand loose. Then they're on skids. It's organized. It's labeled. And then when it comes to actually getting the orders as they come rolling in, then we aren't tying up table time. And we're not fully reliant on starting from scratch because there's like, when you're burning out these programs, it doesn't make sense to burn one Phoenix ever. Like it just, it never makes sense. So you always end up doing a minimum batch. And so we'll have, you know, whatever, 10 Phoenix plate racks worth of components made up when it comes time to bending the brackets, we'll bend, you know, 20 Phoenix plate racks worth of brackets because that's the threshold where after you set up the press break, you're starting to see the efficiencies. Um, so that's kind of the way we've cheated it, where we can store stuff outside in the shop because it's not painted. It's not fabricated. It can get dirty and dusty. It doesn't matter. But that keeps the uh, inventory level down a little bit.
0: I don't know. This is stuff, it's all in my brain right now. Yeah. <clears throat> no, we've been going through the same thing. Just with, with getting ready for the Scout and the Nexus this year. Um, it's it's, it's going to potentially change a lot, and especially, and that's why I've been talking to my team a lot about just making sure that we're being as efficient as possible. Because if we can we can keep as close to the same team as we can, but expand the amount of product that we're able to to make and ship, that's that's going to be better for all of us. And so, but at the same time, if the 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 Nexus is going to be um, just as assembly intensive as the Neomag. so I'm I'm expecting we're gonna need, we may need another
2: person to um uh, to build and assemble for us, because we yeah that's that's gonna be a thing that you
0: know it's gonna be fun to <clears throat> or to, or to try to get into figuring out how to quickly easily get these products built and assembled and, and packaged. We actually, you know, I've been building Neomags for, for six years now and we just finally figured out how to, it, I've used, uh, I've been using like Harbor Freight magnet strips for a long time to
2: build Neomags on and we are, we're 3D printed. It's basically a jig
0: that lays over top of that now, so that the Neomag bracket fits over, fits over it, um, and this does a few things. So one, it auto aligns everything, so you don't have to to take the time to to kind of pick it up and look at it, and make sure everything's straight. It, it straightens everything for you. The other thing it does is actually it kind of creates a go/no go gauge for the brackets. So if it's out of spec, you're gonna know the instant that you put it over the the jig. So it solves a few things it makes it, it makes assembly quicker and it helps us qc something that 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 has been difficult to qc you know every single neomag, you can't really qc it it would take forever to sit there and and measure each each one that goes out so um but again it took 6 years to do that so like we're we're, we're kind of always continually trying to figure out how to better make things and and up the quality and speed and stuff. So it's going to be fun trying to figure that out for, uh, you know, for these, for these next couple products and,
2: and, uh, and just trying to figure out how our team's going to have to, to adjust to, uh, you know, keep making them. It's something that is on my head a lot is just keeping the team lean. And I don't know if that's like a new, like, I don't know, younger business thought process or or
1: what but we've had that discussion a lot with our team members is if we can create efficiencies and keep the team leaner um, and not have excess personnel where it's not needed then everybody does win you know from that and i do see a huge benefit just from the communication standpoint i mean the more people you add you've experienced it i'm sure it complicates certain things other things it frees you up and and it's amazing but yeah i i would love like but these two two next hires that we're making i expect that we will make one more hire assuming all goes well with these two and um and they're on board and and we're Pushing through fall winter, there's uh, one other hire I'd like to make on the marketing side because we have quite a bit of stuff behind the scenes that I have not told anybody about but there's uh there's lots of opportunities and I just not even you know a lot of it obviously ta related and and through the company and the steel target systems but there's a lot of other stuff we have going on as well.
2: I'd love to, love to make that marketing team so we could do the stuff that I have a vision for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're, you no, know, we're in a similar thought process. And, you know, I don't really have. You know, I kind of am the marketing team, um, but you know, I have in the last month i've really
0: come up with a lot clearer plan of of the vision that i have for the company and where we're going to be heading and i really think where we're at now in the market that we sell sell to now is in the long run it's going to be the smallest of the markets that we that we go after and that we make products for i've got much bigger plans that i'm excited to be able to to Start working on and start working towards because in the past I haven't really been able to, but now I've I've got the time to. You know, my job now is to be working on new things and steer the ship, and not necessarily, you know, have to be working on all the all the nuts and bolts of of the business. Which that actually reminds me. So, um, Corey came into my office. it was like last week or something like that, and he was like, he's like, hey, go to. Ford's journey, I think it was episode four, and you gave me a timestamp to go to go to, and I had said on this podcast, this was was like November of 2018, that my dream for the company was to was to be like six employees in a 4,000 square foot shop, and at that time I was in like a it was there's two of us in like a 600 square foot shop so. You know, in, in 2018, that was a big dream, right? To go from two people, 600 square foot, to six people, 4,000 square foot, and and uh and here we are now, uh, you know, six seven employees in a 5,000 square foot shop. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, he had asked me. He was like, "So, how does it feel?" And I'm like, "A lot more stressful than I thought it was, <laughs> I thought I was going to." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was it was super cool to go back and and hear me say that and then today be sitting in the shop with this team we have and uh, to hear those words um, and be like, well, there was a, I had that dream and that
2: goal and, and here we are. And like, it." it, so I was just thinking about that more. I'm like, it's, uh, it's, it kind of makes me realize that, that, that setting these goals and these dreams
0: is important and it's cool and it's exciting to get there, but the, it's, it's going to sound so cliche, but here we go. Everybody prepare. Here we go.
1: <clears throat> prepare for this. We're uh mentally,
0: but it's ready. really uh, like that. It's a journey getting there. That was, that was so cool. Um Like, yeah, it, it's cool to have this team in the shop and everything, but,
2: but it's, but it's not as cool as what it, is the story that it took to get get here and um so yeah i, I could go on a lot more just just about all that but um does it ever so like
1: i don't know if this will even make sense because i'm not sure why sometimes i feel like this i look back to like the 2015 period do you ever look back and feel like it was lonely Back then, like, oh, yeah. now that you have... What's that? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's, it's like, it's this weird feeling. I look back, and I'm like, man, that was, like, that was weird, you know? Yeah. Back I mean- when I was assembling, you know, I would literally burn targets off the table. Ethan and I, some evenings, would weld bases together. We would... Yeah, I would package them when I could, balancing the other job, and... Yeah, you know, here we are talking about inventory issues when I have, you know, hundreds of products down there ready to ship. And back in 2015, I had like one C Zone eight app, one Mini eight app, maybe a uh, a zone target, and like a dueling tree. Like I'd have one of each, Mm -hmm. and that was like, oh, I had to work late that night just to build one. You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I came across. Some video that that my brother had had taken when he was in town. This is probably
2: twenty oh, I don't know, uh, probably twenty
0: fifteen or so. Twenty fifteen, maybe maybe early twenty sixteen. So <clears throat> I was still in my basement shop at our last house, and um, it brought back some cool memories just because. Because I remember standing in that tiny room in my basement, thinking, it just like I loved that shop. I was so excited to go down there. I used to go down there and just stand in the middle of the shop and just look around. I'm like, this is
2: awesome, and uh, <laughs> and but <clears throat> it did make me realize how,
0: yeah, I guess lonely and <clears throat> and not lonely as in like. Like it's just sad because I'm lonely, but it's yeah, just no, just it was just me, and yep um, I remember I was speaking to Guam, I remember like one of my first bulk orders was to uh a shop in Guam, and I remember I had a buddy's name's Eric come over and help me build neomags because it was more neomags than I'd ever than it was probably equal to how many neomags I had sold total that that year was how many I had to build for this guy, which I think I don't know, it's maybe 150 neomags or something. Um, but that was the first time I really kind of had somebody come over and, and help. And um, honestly, I think about how lonely it was like going to shows by myself, setting up by myself, going to going to shot show by myself. Like I never forget the first year going to shot show. By myself, knew virtually nobody. Like there was like one or two contacts that I had. I think from like a, a I used to be big into collecting uh, patches, you know, morale patches and stuff. So there were like one or two guys that I
2: think I had, I uh, that that I knew from that. Um, but man, like going to Vegas first time ever, and
0: to a huge show, knowing nobody, and just trying to. Push my product on as many people as I could, really. But, um, yeah, it, it it's it's crazy. And like, this weekend we're going to um RX Range Day that Achilles Tactics is putting on, and it's like an hour and a half away. And I'm taking Nate and Dusty and their families. Like, we're going down to a hotel that, that has like a little, it's a, a hotel with a little water park in the middle of it. It's really geared, geared more for more for kids. So I'm like, hey, we're gonna be down there. We might as well go down there. So it's like. The, the the fact that now I'm able to to go to a this you know this little event and I'm able to take a couple guys with me and their families and, and make it a a thing is is
2: cool because five six years ago it would have just been been me scratching the bottom of the bank to you
0: know try to get some hotel money yeah
2: <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, it's funny how things change, man. It's it really is. It's a cool journey. It, it I can't
2: the emotional experience. Like I'm not a hyper emotional person. Uh but just thinking about
1: the emotions that I've felt and the things that I've experienced
2: over the last 6 years or so is pretty wild. Man, things change. Yeah. They change fast.
1: They change slow in the moment, but then you look back and it's like, whoa. (laughs) It's
0: like I tell new I tell new parents, the days are long. So long. But the years are fast. Like you will it seems like every day is a drag, you're just trying to survive. And then you blink and a year's gone by, or five years has gone by, ten years has gone by. It's just, it it's. That's what i was saying. Like it, it's, it's super cool to hear in 2018 me say that my goal is to be where we're at today. But it's not as cool as thinking about the journey to you know to, to get there. So that's just, it's just really cool to think about and and all it's taken to get here and the, and and the team of people that it's taken to get here and um. And I, I and again, I, I, I still think we're just, we're barely scratching the surface of where I think
2: we can take this, this journey because I've got bigger plans and goals and so I'm excited. So there's even more reason
0: to keep listening to this podcast and telling people about this podcast because- We aren't done yet. We aren't done yet. We're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> Had to jump in there. I was like, uh, can I pull out the deep voice and- we aren't done yet, <laughs> so tell people about this podcast because it's not too late to jump in, even though we're hundred and two episodes in we, and we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years we're still we're still baby companies, and we're still we're still trying to forge this journey journey
1: into adolescence. <laughs> we're trying to become adolescent companies before long we'll be hitting puberty, something like that oh man, I don't know. <laughs> That, well, how does that look in the company? That's when everything
0: self implodes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait till my company starts getting getting hair under the armpits. Yeah, that's what we want. That's what I want. <laughs> starts getting a little smellier, <laughs> greasier.
1: <laughs> the message has a squeaky voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Well, I should jump off and, and yep. get ready for this meeting. Good but, uh, next
0: meetings. Yeah, this has been one of those weeks, man. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm sitting here. And I'm just like, I, I need more coffee. My eyes are my eyes are heavy. The stupid can, time change. I, I hate tw- waking. Oh, look at that. That's a coffee cup. That's yeah, a good I size. Say, I
1: can fit 20 ounces in this thing. <laughs> and I go through at least two of them a day. Wow. <laughs> I drink water, too. But anyway,
0: time zone change. Yeah, it, uh, I, I really don't. It's not it's not the actual time change. It's waking up in the dark again. Like I wake up with a the sunlight and I was really enjoying that. Um, I was waking up 30 minutes before my alarm cause it was light 30 minutes before my alarm. Now it's dark. No, that's cause normal. you're getting older. I mean, well, there's that too. Well, no, cause normally when you get older, you start going to bed earlier and waking up earlier. Yeah, but I'm saying you, you're waking up earlier than your
1: alarm because you're no, getting
0: old. Cause I was getting old, but now I'm not, now I'm sleeping through my alarm. I'm hitting Ooh. my snooze. Okay. Cause it's dark. Yeah.
1: Yeah, hey, you see. know, one last thing I'll throw out there is I'm I'm turning 30 this year. Wow!
2: So I'll be old. Just a little guy. Nine, I just turned I'm, 39. I'm finally I'm finally getting older. About time. I'll be
1: gray next year. This time, <laughs> completely gray. <laughs> hope you're bald by the time you're, you're my age. That was I bald. Not I was bald when I was your age. So <laughs> I hope not. Uh, you know, it runs in my family. We'll see. The stress doesn't help, but so far, I have all my hair, and it hasn't really changed. I mean, it's changed a little bit over the last couple of years, but my wife makes me use really nice shampoos that are supposed to stop that from happening. So yeah. we'll see. We will see. Either that, or I'll have like head cancer or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, hey everybody. If you if you could please do us a, do us a favor. If you if you've not left us a rating and review, please give us a five star review. Leave us a rating. That's how we get found and visible on whatever podcast uh, thing that you're using. And we would love to hear from you. And we're excited for, there's a few people that sent their email uh, or their addresses out for the stickers. And there's actually, um, those those people are going to be receiving something a little extra special from us. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's going to be super cool. And I got to start working on it now because I had the idea before. This this morning that I was I was going to see how many people we had, and if I had stuff in stock to do it, and I do, so I'm going to start working on that. So I'm excited to to send those of you who who, uh, who took the time to took the 30 seconds to send a, your your address over to us. It's gonna it's gonna pay off for you. Yep, stickers will be in uh, probably either end of
1: this week, um, beginning of uh, next week, and as soon as they get in. Greg and I'll coordinate and get some stuff out. Yep. Sweet.
0: Alright, well you have a great week. Yep.